0: Please open your Bibles to John chapter 14, verses 1 through 11. If you're using the Pew Bibles, uh, you will find the reading on page 901. John 14, 1 through 11. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Believe me that I am the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. May God bless to our understanding this reading from His holy word.
1: Let's pray. Father, as we um, see this passage uh, before us, we ask God that You would uh, remind us of what it means that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And Father, I ask that You would um, inflame our hearts with love for Him. We pray in His name. Amen. I have. Uh, I knew that this pa- this uh, service would be um, a little more lengthy, so I I have cut my sermon. Um, but also, I did not do it just because of the length of the service. There is so much here in this passage that I felt like I needed to uh, spend at least a couple of weeks uh, looking at this passage. That being said, um, many of you of my age probably spell relief the same way I do. R-O-L-A-I-D-S, if you remember the commercials. Jesus spells relief differently. He spells it F-A-I-T-H. Jesus' disciples were very stressed. They were troubled in their souls by the things that Jesus was telling them on this, the very night before he was going to be crucified. Remember, we're in the upper room. And uh, for those of you who are visiting, uh, we make it our practice typically to work our way through books of the Bible. And so we have been in John, in the Gospel of John, and uh, in chapter 13, Jesus entered into the upper room with His disciples. There He washed their their feet. There they um, celebrated the communion supper together. And Jesus is preparing them for uh, His betrayal and His uh, crucifixion. It's only about 12 hours away. And so everything in chapters 14, 15, and 16 that He's teaching the disciples is very poignant. And so as He's teaching His disciples, their hearts are troubled. And so Jesus told them in verse 14, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in Me. To help find relief From deep turmoil, God says, place your trust in Him. Place your trust in Jesus Christ. This world is filled with things that are likely to cause us trouble in our souls. To one degree or another, there's very likely something that's causing you to be troubled in your soul even right now. Some may have a temporary trouble that you're going through right now. Maybe a a household project that's taking more time and effort than it should. Or an unexpected expense that is straining an already tight budget. Others may have an ongoing difficulty such as failing health. Or an unaffectionate marriage. Or whatever. Whatever. There are so many different troubles that, that, um, that we find ourselves in, and it troubles our hearts, it troubles our souls, regardless whether the troubles are temporary or, on, or ongoing, whether the, tempor- whether the circumstances are minor or severe. Most of us have something in our lives that is troubling us. And such is life in our fallen world. And so Jesus not only says to His disciples, He also says to us, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in Me. The disciples were troubled in their souls because Jesus kept telling them that He was going to be separated from them. And within 12 hours, He certainly was going to be separated from them. He was going to be lifted up from the earth. He was going to be nailed to the cross. He was going to die on that cross. He was going to be buried in a grave for three days. The disciples... They don't fully understand what He's saying to them, even though He's been speaking plainly to them. But they've understood enough to be deeply troubled in their souls. And Jesus prescribed the same relief for them as He does for us. Believe in God. Believe also in Me. This passage here in verse 1, basically says that God the Father and God the Son team up to settle and bring peace to our troubled hearts and to give us strength to press forward for God and press forward toward God in spite of any and all difficulties. So, this passage is driving us to place our trust in God. The psalmist in Psalm 33 recognizes this truth. The psalmist says, No king is saved by the sides of his army. No warrior escapes by by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear Him, on those whose hope is in His unfailing love, to deliver them from death, and keep them alive in famine, we wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In Him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in His holy name. May Your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in You. Whatever the troubles, we can trust in our God. We can put our hope in Him. This is what this passage in verse 1 is telling us to do. The disciples were troubled that Jesus was going away. So Jesus told them, look, my separation from you is only going to be temporary. Look at verses 2 and 3. Jesus said, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go and prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, uh, uh, I will come again and will take you to Myself that where I am you may be also." Many of us learned verse 2 from the King James Version where it reads, "...in my Father's house are many mansions." And we hear that word mansions and our imaginations go crazy. Um this The language has changed um, tremendously since uh, the King James was written in 1611 when it was translated. So I don't know why they use the word mansions. But because we've grown up with this term mansions, I imagine many of us um, are looking forward to owning our own personal individual, sprawling, luxurious mansion up in heaven and that that will be our residence for all eternity. I know this is a very appealing picture, but it's a mistranslation of what Jesus is saying. The the English Standard Version, the the version you have in your pews, is a little more accurate It says, in my Father's house are many rooms. So now in the space of only about five or six seconds, your eternal inheritance has shrunk from this great, sprawling, luxurious mountain down to a room. (laughs) Um, But look closely at this passage. It is a room in the Father's house. In other words, you will live with God. You won't be out in this luxurious mansion 50 miles outside of of downtown heaven. You are going to be a residence in the household of God. Who lives in a father's house? Children live in their father's house. Jesus is telling the disciples that they will be God's children, that they will dwell in his household for all eternity. The disciples of course are not thinking about the type of house that they're going to live in while in heaven. The disciples are concerned that they are they're going to be losing Jesus for a period of time. So the substance of Jesus's comfort is not where the the disciples are going to live while they're in heaven. Rather, it is that the disciples are going to forever dwell with Jesus. They'll be separated for a time. But they're going to be with Jesus forever. Look at verse 3. He says, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to Myself, that where I am, you may be also. And so the real blessing here is not where we'll live, but it's the proximity we have to Jesus Christ, that where He is, we will be also. Amen. We've seen many times in our study of John's gospel that the disciples can kind of be bum- kind of bumbling along in their faith. They fail in their efforts of faithfulness about as much as they succeed. But however weak their faith it's real faith. How do I know that? Well, they want to be near Jesus. It is troubling to their souls that their Savior is going to be apart from them and them, or, or they are going to be apart from Him. That's the essence of faith in Christ. If you want to know what it means to believe, It means that we love Him. We love Him so we want to be near Him. We love Him so we want to follow Him. We love Him so we treasure Him. The question then is, do you love Jesus? Do you want to be near Him? Is He your treasure? I was making fun of the way we think about heaven and our mansion. Frankly, that's the way I thought about heaven as well. I had this mental picture of living in a mansion in heaven. But I've always wondered, because I've had this mental picture about about, uh, heaven and about living in a mansion, I've always wondered why it would take so long for Jesus to prepare these mansions. You know, he's having to leave to go away and prepare these mansions. But it was Jesus Christ who spoke the universe into existence. Why did he need to leave for so long to build some houses in heaven? When Jesus is saying he's going to prepare a place uh, for his disciples and also for us. He's speaking descriptively or illustratively about the result of His death on the cross and His resurrection from the grave. Here in this passage in verses 2 and 3, Jesus is seeking to comfort His troubled disciples. He's not trying to evangelize them. He knows that their love for Him is genuine. And so He told them that He's going to prepare heaven for them to let them know that their dwelling with Him was eternally secure. That they would forever be where He is. That they would forever be with Him. He's telling them that their place is there in heaven waiting upon them. That nothing, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither height nor depth, width or breadth, nothing under all creation is going to be able to separate them from Himself. Nothing is going to be able to separate them from His love. That their place in heaven has already been prepared. That the bed in the room that they will stay at in God's house is already made. And so what Jesus is doing is he's not leaving heaven or he's not leaving them to go prepare heaven for them. Rather, what he's doing is he's leaving the disciples to prepare them for heaven. The disciples had been given everything that they needed um, to live in heaven with God. And that's no small thing. God is a holy, holy, holy God. Why would God allow these disciples into heaven if they have a rebellious heart against God, if their whole past is, uh, we were talking yesterday, an, an excrement past, Um. Just a dirty, filthy past. What would God want with them in heaven, with him, with their rebellious hearts, with their 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 dirty excrement past and their um and, and their rebellious lives? Well God has given them a new heart that loves God that trusts Christ. He's given them new hearts or new records where their sins have been forgiven. He's also given them eternal life. But these things have not yet been paid for, their new hearts have not yet been paid. Uh, at this point in time of of when He's telling them this. Their, their sins had not been washed away because their sins had not yet been paid for. Their uh, lives had not been uh, renewed and the Holy Spirit had not come and lived in their hearts because Christ had not yet gone to the cross. In other words... God, according to Romans chapter 3, verses 25 and 26, says He passed over the sins of the Old Testament saints, knowing that Christ was going to come and die for them. And so Christ is on the very eve of purchasing their new hearts, of purchasing their righteousness, of purchasing their new lives and their eternal life. And so... He's telling them um, that uh, you have these things, but I'm preparing you for heaven. and by by securing these things, and this is what he's going to do on the cross. Um, they were they were unprepared for heaven. And I just I want to pause. I got a little ahead of myself because I wanted to pause a couple of moments back and remind you that how unprepared you were for heaven um, in and of yourselves. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1. As for you, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the king of the air who is now at work in the sons of disobedience. And that described us. We were unfit for heaven. We needed to be prepared for heaven. That's what Christ did on the cross. He gave us new hearts that now love Him. He killed our old rebellious hearts. He gave us a new record of His righteousness. He gave us His Holy Spirit and has made us into new creations in Christ. And Jesus um, is telling them, this is why I am going to heaven. I am going to prepare the place. And Thomas, of course, says, Lord, we don't know where You're going. How can we know the way? And you know verse 6. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Me. Jesus is saying, I am the exclusive way. Jesus is saying, saying, I am the exclusive truth. He is saying, I am the exclusive life. That's what He means when He says, no one comes to the Father except through Him. We live in a pluralistic age. People like to say that there is no truth. People like to say that there are many ways to God. People like to say that truth is what you want it to be. Jesus says, He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. No one comes to the Father except through Him. I began this sermon by talking about our present troubles and how our faith helps us in our present troubles. The way our faith helps us in our present troubles is really for next week. Let me just show you um, chapter 14, verse 16. Jesus says, I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, you know Him, for He dwells with you and and will be in you. In other words, the Holy Spirit is going to be with us in the present. While we are separated from Christ, we are not separated from God. We are with Christ. And what I want to show next week is how the Trinity, God the Father, And God the Son, we've already seen that they team up together. And we're going to see how the Spirit helps us in our present troubles. Uh, And so he says in verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Verse 20, In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Verse 23, Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him, and we will make our home with him. The Holy Trinity helps you in your present troubles. We'll look at that next week. For the time being, I want you to take the long view, and not just into next week, But I want you to take the long view in regard to your life. Verses 2 and 3. Believe in God. Believe also in Me. In My Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to Myself that where I am, you may be also. Whatever troubles you are going through right now, You have a home in the Father's house. He will never leave you nor forsake you. You belong to Him. He belongs to you. Take the long view when you're going through difficulties, knowing that these difficulties, these troubles, will not last forever. That we have a home in the Father's house that He loves us, that He is for us, that He will never leave us or forsake us. Let's pray together. Father, as we have considered this Your Word, Father, I pray that You would help us to believe in God and believe also in Christ and believe that Jesus is the exclusive way the exclusive truth, and the exclusive life. And when we believe that, we will hang on to Him for uh, with all the strength that You give us. Father, work faith in us, we pray. In Jesus' name, Amen.